Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Jeremy K. Gover, and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Gover Time. You know, Jeremy, it, it is arguably outside of any playoff accomplishment or the Stanley Cup final or the Western Conference final. It is probably the biggest week in hockey history in Nashville. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. What do you think? Yeah, I think outside of a playoff run or maybe All-Star weekend, like you said, because I would say the draft actually happened too early in its existence. So it was really cool <laughs> for the time, but I wouldn't put that in the pantheon as of right now. No, so, no. yes, I would I would agree this is the biggest week in the franchise history outside of those things. So in light of that, we thought we'd give you some extra pods, some extra content for you this week. So we're coming to you a day early on a Wednesday because obviously a monstrous come from behind, like four times come from behind win over the Florida Crazy. Panthers on Tuesday evening down in South Florida. Obviously, Pecorine's jersey retirement in the stadium series. So we have a huge week. So we thought, you know what? Let's get you guys some content early. Talk a little Pekka. Talk retiring numbers. Talk about the win over Florida, the losing streak, all that good stuff today on the show. Then we will, then we will be back on Friday morning with another shorter pod to sort of recap the evening at Bridgestone Arena on Thursday night and preview, of course, what what appears to be a very frosty and uh, inclement Saturday evening at Nissan Stadium. I'm very excited about this whole weekend because uh, I, I consider Thursday the weekend, right? So I'm very excited about it. The outdoor game is going to be great. Um, I'm ex- I'm excited to see how it compares to the Winter Classic, right? The vibe in there, like Nashville's hosting, and that's awesome. But will it rival the energy the Winter Classic was because it was their first outdoor game that the fans were involved in and all that? So we'll get to all that on Friday, but I'm very, very excited for this entire span of days here for the Preds. I'll give one stat to preview that conversation on Friday, and that is the Cotton Bowl was, I believe, the largest attendance and crowd in the history of an outdoor hockey game. Um, I believe there are still tickets available for Saturday night. Yes, agreed. So, so that's a preview for Friday morning. Doesn't take away from the pomp and circumstance and how awesome the evening is going to be. Uh, so that's what we're, we're going to discuss Dallas and Pekka and all that stuff today. A little shorter episode than we're going to come back on Friday. Before we do any of that, of course, the gold standard is, in fact, brought to you by Jaspers. That was that was well done, Jeremy. That was that was well done. Thank you. You know, I, I, I try to deliver it with some with some passion and I'm excited <laughs> to uh, go and uh, and go and, and eat there tomorrow actually. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. So Jasper's I'm coming for you. Just don't get a steak. Well done. That was a well done ad read. Just don't, don't do that oh, to your you. meat. Okay. No, I'm not, no, no, I'm not a big well done fan. Uh, actually with steak. I'm more of a kind of a, kind of a medium, medium rare is what you should steak. Yeah. You should say medium rare. Yeah. I lean medium rare, but just, you know, I don't want it to there be, some places are bloody. Some places, you know, they, they, they translate medium differently. So, uh, you know, I I, I kind of stay in that medium kind of safe range. I want so. it to be warm red, baby. I want it to be bloody, yeah. <laughs> kicking and screaming when it hits the table. And you know what? Deb Paquette and Jaspers will do that for you if you just ask. They'll cook your steak however you want. They got a great burger, great happy hour for Preds games, of course. Uh, so if you can't get to either of the two games on Thursday or Saturday, Jaspers is your place to go. $3 beers, $10 smash burger during Preds games. Home and road and parking is free. So I'm going to start today again, Jeremy, just with a basic question for you. How important was the comeback against Florida on Tuesday for this Nashville Predators team? I mean, it was hugely important because since the all-star break, if if my math is correct, they've won one game. And so, uh, so it was, uh, you know, it's, it's just tremendous in the sense that uh, the way they did it, uh, Florida had lost three home games all season before Tuesday night. 
and the Preds delivered him a fourth one, but they did it down one nothing down like they, they were it's not like they had this big lead five nothing and then Florida kind of you know chipped their way back. They actually battled back each time, even had a disallowed goal in the third period. They answered immediately after a power play goal by Carolina or Carolina by <laughs> by Florida. Sorry, uh, they had, they answered on a power play goal immediately after. But it turns out that Nick Cunning, oh, Nick Cunning, geez, what in the world's wrong with me? Luke Cunning, I'll, I'll get it right, I promise. Uh, Luke Cunning interfered with a goaltender, and they uh, wiped it off the board. Usually, touchy, touchy call. Well, I, I mean, in retrospect, I can see how they'd make that call. the The thing about it, though, is that they the team that usually that would deflate a team. Like they they had this yeah. big emotional charge that they they first of all that they surrender this go ahead goal late to a powerhouse team, then they come right back and answer, and then that. Then the officials say, no, 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 just kidding, that didn't count. So there'd usually be a huge letdown. Instead, they went right back and got the go-ahead, or got the tying goal, and then took the, took the lead and never looked back. It was it was a tremendous showing of effort, energy, and poise by the Preds, who easily could have been like, well, we're on this slide, we're, we're yep. here in Florida, where they're basically undefeated at home, and, you know, and, and we just put ourselves in a bad spot. Instead, they responded. Yeah, and I thought you talked about poise and sort of showing up in a big moment. Tanner Janot, two goals in the third period, of course. First ever shorthanded goal for the Nashville Predators this entire season. And Tanner Janot strikes me as a guy that's going to have a few of those in his career as a top flight penalty killer and the ability to score, which he which we saw. He took a turnover at the his own blue line and went right down the ice, almost fell down and uh, ended up scoring yeah. a, a huge goal. Uh, and then he gets the empty netter. I believe he's leading all rookies right now in goal scoring. So that's a cool feather in the cap. Um, although I do want to say side sidebar here, Jeremy, because um, mm. because if we talk Calder, all the Calder talk goes to Tanner Janot, and I would like to point out that Alex Carrier is pretty stinking good. <laughs> he is, uh, and, and I'll give he's you. He's not going to get uh, called. He's not going to get Calder talk. No. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's not just one of these guys. No, th- no, they're def- they definitely have a, a good complement of young guys. Uh, even though Carrier, it's kind of hard to accept him as a rookie, right? Because he's yeah, he's yeah. been around the league for or not the, around the organization for so long. Finally, getting his full time slot this year, and he's hasn't looked back. He hasn't been a John Blum, right? That was the big criticism coming into the season. Was like, well, let's have some cautious optimism about Alexander Carrier because if you remember, John Blum blew it up. When he first had his cup of coffee at the NHL level, he came back after an offseason and then was just a very average player. And that, of course, is not the best route for a first-round pick who they thought was going to be, you know, maybe a second-pairing guy for a long time in this organization. So there was a lot of like, well, let's be sure he's not a John Blum type, and he has proven that he's not. Well, I will say, uh, back you up there, Tanner Janot is tied for the lead with 17 goals among rookies. Only Michael Bunting of Toronto has, more, has, has the same. Uh, he's done it in one less game, though, so therefore Bunting gets the nod. But yeah, just 31 points in 51 games, you know, 17 goals. This guy has proven even at the cuz he, he's not skating on a top line, I'd like to remind everybody. That this guy is playing depth minutes and he's also on the penalty kill. And so you're right about Geno being set up. He's primed to be a shorthanded type of threat and it just proves that he can do that in getting the first shorthanded goal of the season, which is hard to believe. We're almost yeah, in March. Yeah. And it took them all this time to get one, but uh, it couldn't have come at a better time, Braden. No, no question about it. And obviously also could not come at a better time. The best performance of David Riddick's career in a Nashville Predator sweater, maybe in his career for in a long time. UC Saros had given up 18 goals 
during the four game losing streak. Now, to be fair, those are all like really good teams <laughs> by yeah. and large. Yeah. Um, so there is that, but it was a losing streak, the longest of the year. Uh, they're sort of broke out of that with a, a really important performance as, we, as we've talked about, but just number one, what did you make of the decision by John Hines? I mean, they, they played on Friday. They didn't play well against Carolina. Um, he had UC Saros had three days off and they still decide to go with David Riddick. That means I'm assuming they want UC Saros healthy for both Thursday night and Saturday night against Dallas and against Tampa. So what did you make of the decision? And then two, is this a flash of something we can, we can try to expect from him or is this just sort of a, a, a one night one off? You know, it's interesting because I think sometimes you play your, you'll see this in the, in the, in the national hockey league, you'll play your starter in years past had been Pecorine, for example, right? Against maybe the weaker of the two teams back-to-back. And you do that to uh, guarantee is a strong word because you can never guarantee anything in this league unless you're playing Arizona. But you kind of give yourself the best opportunity to to secure two points. I'll put it that way, very respectfully. And in this particular (laughs) case, they put put Riddick out there who hasn't played forever, it seems like. Uh, You know, but Saros needed a, a rest. Riddick hadn't played since January 18th, and he's he, they put him out there against, oh, I don't know, a team, one of the best teams in the league who, again, have only lost three times on home ice this whole season. And so it's it, it was almost the opposite of what I just said. It was almost yeah. like, well, they're going to go ahead and surrender these two points and get ready for Dallas. Now again, it's not that, that that's simple, how it felt when I saw when I saw them put him out there. That's what I felt. It was like, oh, they're just trying to get home for, yeah. for, for yeah, a huge it, weekend. It, yeah, again, it's never that simple, especially to professional hockey players. But from a media standpoint, again, an armchair quarterback type of deal, you think, oh, okay, well, I mean, you know, they need every point they can get right now. They're on a skid. You would think they'd come back with Soros against a really good team, but here they are. So I guess they're just trying to focus on Dallas, which is obviously way more important than, uh, you know, losing to the, uh, you know, Florida Panthers. So anyway, all that being said, Riddick comes out and plays a whale of a game, and uh, all things considered, and – I think they are keeping Saros, obviously, for the for Pecorino night, of course. And then uh, Saros would obviously start in the big marquee matchup outdoors against Tampa. So Saro, uh, Saros, uh, Riddick has 44 saves last night. Didn't look like it was going to be that early on. But I think Flo- I think Florida had 31 shots on goal through two periods. Yeah, it was nice. Which is just an onslaught, right? So yep. 44 saves for a guy who he needed a big one. He has not had a 900 save percentage and in, in, over 900 save percentage in any start this season, except for his first game as a Pred back on November 11th. He had 33 saves and 36 uh, shots with a 917 save percentage. It was a win and he's gotten other wins, but he has not played particularly well and he played great last night. I, I know there's a longer off season conversation about the backup goaltender situation, but we've talked about this before, at least Adam and I have, I'm, I'm not sure if you and I have, but I just, to your point about um, how you sort of strategize around a, a back, a back to back where you sort of go, all right, we want to give ourselves a great chance at two points with the best guy against the worst team. Yeah. And then it, you get what you get. If you happen to get a great performance from the backup against the best team. And it, like you said, it's not that simple, but, when they put him out there and I saw that and I, and you know, even, even the broadcast is like, yeah, a bit of a strange decision. And I'm like, this, <laughs> this, this guy has not been like, there's a reason, obviously they're writing sorrows and that's fine. I think, I think the conversation around workload, I think is a little overplayed. I think if you're a professional athlete at 26 years old, you should be able to, to play a lot of games. Um, and, and, but every time I see him out there, I'm just going, okay, this is going to be a tough night. And I, 
I, I know I know the Admirals are playing better, and I know there's some pieces down there. Connor Ingram's a, a piece next year that that could be the, the backup goaltender. But like that's a, it feels like that's a problem. It's only a regular season problem, which is sort of the beauty of hockey, right? You don't need a good backup in the in the postseason. <laughs> so, um, but I it was until nice you, to, until you do right exactly. Do. Yeah. But that was you know I think that was a, a comforting performance. I just don't know if he can replicate that. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing for me is. Uh, I, look, I like David Riddick. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't like him uh, as a person. He's been he's been tremendous to deal with. He's got a lot of personality. That video the Preds released a few, was it about a month ago or so, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, about uh, how the 303 chance, you know, it's all your fault. And he's like, I know it's my fault. I just gave up the call. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, he's just tremendous. Uh, he will actually be a really great broadcaster if that's what he wants to do uh, after his career is over. Ooh, nice call. That being, that being said, uh, he he doesn't, instill any confidence from my perspective on when you put him into a game now obviously games like tuesday night certainly help but just when you put him into a game it's almost you're not conceding a a defeat but i think you're like okay the guys need to play really well in front of them and i would actually now that i talk this out i would actually consider that maybe a motivating part of john hines actually on tuesday night is saying look we have made some colossal mistakes in our own zone. We've had turnovers. We've had bad penalties. We've taken bad penalties. We've we put ourselves behind the eight ball on numerous occasions. And we need to recalibrate. And putting David Riddick, who, again, had not played since January 18th in there, uh, I mean, that might be a way to kind of wake up his team. Like, hey, you got to play your best in front of the backup. You have to. Because you don't have Soros back there to bail you out. And yeah. so, you know, allowing 40, allowing 44, well, allowing 48 shots is not exactly a remedy right. to do that. But I will say that they looked a little better in those areas, except for Grindland's early holding penalty again, which is very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, so I, I don't, it may have been a way to recalibrate the team as well. We'll just see if that carries over to Thursday. Interesting. Interesting. We'll talk about Thursday now. How about that? Um, as the Dallas right. Stars, the Dallas Stars come to town, but that seems like even though the game is monstrous, because Dallas is trending in the right direction. Nashville is trending in the wrong direction, uh, just in general, that they are much closer in the standings than I think anybody expected them to be just a couple of weeks ago. And so it's a monstrous hockey game in the division. Tampa on Saturday, I mean, it's an Eastern Conference team. There's certainly some yeah. healthy, you know, healthy history there, but it's more about the spectacle and about the event. And, and the two points is important, but not really. This Thursday night game, it's a home game. It's a regular game. Obviously, there's lots of other things happening with Pecorine, and they're going to have to manage all of that. But this is a huge game with Dallas, and managing all of the other stuff that's going to happen, extra post, extra pregame shows and ceremonies and you know, retiring Pekka's jersey, Like there's, there's a lot of emotion to manage to have to come out and play against a team that, frankly, physically matches up very well with the Predators, as we've seen in recent history. Yeah, they actually uh, took a step back uh, against Arizona, which is a shocking uh, loss. I ripped out Arizona earlier, and here they are beating the Dallas Stars, who need every point they can get to crawl back into this thing. But this is a big, big game because Dallas essentially gifted Nashville some pressure, right? It's, 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 it's putting off some pressure because had Dallas won that game, that let's be honest, they should have won. That would put them at 58 points. Nashville wins against Florida. That puts them at 62. So Nashville is comfortably, air quotes for radio, uh, in the fourth position. They're flirting with that third spot. Maybe the second spot if things go right. But Dallas is right now the main 
uh, opponent for you, not just on Thursday, literally, but I mean the main opponent for your playoff spot. Like they, right, they right. really need to create some distance there. And the pomp and circumstance around Rene's retirement, Jersey retirement on Thursday night is going to be a big, big deal, but it's not a throwaway game, right? Where you're maybe Arizona comes in or I don't know, San Jose or Seattle are coming in. You're like, okay, like, you know, the, the, if they lose, who cares? This is a game that you have to win. And I hate to say that about a game in February, because obviously you could go on a six or seven game run and this all goes to, you know, it all means nothing. But as of right now, the only, the biggest game is the next game. And uh, Dallas in particular, if they win this game, that's a four point swing. Nashville stays at 62. Dallas goes to 58. They should be at 60 without the Arizona loss. And then all of a sudden you've got some yep, pressure. Yep. And, uh, and the Tampa game becomes even bigger, even though you're right. It's an Eastern Conference opponent. Take them to overtime. Who cares? Nobody, if you lose, okay. You, you, you don't want to, but you deal with it. But the Dallas game is big, 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 because it not only means separation for you, but it means it kicks them down also. It keeps them down while they're down. And that's very, very important going down the stretch here, especially before the trading deadline, which I, we haven't mentioned yet. No, um, but this, th- this week we're going to avoid Philip Forsberg trade talk. Yes. So yeah, that sentence yeah. just came well, out of my mouth. Yeah, that's it. So it just came out of my mouth, and we're not going to do it again. Okay, uh, not today or not Friday. We're talking about yeah, we're talking about weather forecasts, and we're talking about uh, jerseys. That's what we're talking about here on the show. The important, <laughs> th- the important things. So let, let's get the peck. Obviously, so Dallas is a huge game. I, I want to see them sort of, and again, I'll, we'll just wrap up it with, with the Dallas matchup itself. I, I want to see some some physicality because that's where where Dallas has sort of pushed the Preds around since the playoff series, basically. Um, and I want to see some physicality from this team. Like, come out angry. I, this is one of those games where I'm fine with with a few penalties <laughs> that are that are effort penalties, not the uh, the holding and the tripping and the and the that kind of stuff. Right, but, I want those. But if you if you know if Tanner Chino gets in a fight in the first uh, period, I'm fine with that. You know, like Yakov Trenin as long as it sets the tone. As long as yeah, it sets the tone, exactly. Set the tone is what what we're talking about here. Which of course will happen before the game with like two and a half hours of of pomp and circumstance. Around the, the the hanging of Pecorine's retired number in the rafters, as it should be, the first of its kind for the Nashville Predators. And the real reason we're <laughs> we're doing this show early today is that we just wanted to get some some Pecorine content out into the world because he deserves it. And um, I, I, before we get to who else could join him, because I that's a, a tricky conversation. Um, yeah. I just y- you give me one. I know you have many, but give me, and you may have already told it on the show, but, but give me your peck. We all have a Pecorine story. So give me your Pecorine story. That's not hockey related. That's not about what he did on the ice. Cause we, that that's been, we, we, we know he's wanted in Chicago for stealing that series, you know, that kind of stuff. Like we, we know how good he is on the ice and what he's done for the team, but I, I would, I'm not sure in my career, Jeremy, uh, covering college football in particular, because they're all a bunch of, they're all a bunch of paranoid <laughs> schizophrenics. Um, I'm not sure I've ever covered a person, a person like Pecorine. Yeah, so I'll give you actually two, but one's kind of like a 10-second one. The, the, the ten, I'll get that one out of the way. The 10-second one is really cool because we showed up, we as in, there was like two or three bloggers and I, had shown up to the NHL Awards. And uh, on our own dime, of course, we're bloggers. And we, th- how it works, for those who don't know, is the nominees come out and sit at a podium on, like, media day. Okay, so there's, like, a podium, and they sit down, and then there's and then whatever one, whatever player you want to talk to, you go to that podium, and they all have assigned times and all that. Anyway, so Rene comes out, 
and he kind of gets settled. You know, it's his first initial awards. You know, he sits down and he looks up at, the, you know, at, at us like right in front of the podium and he sees all four of us. I think it was me, Amanda DiPaolo, Buddy Oaks, and I think Ryan Port. And, uh, and he goes, Oh, Hey guys. And like, so he, it was, just, it was this validating thing that we're <laughs> all new to the media, you know, whatever. And for him to recognize us was just this big, big validation moment. It was really, really cool. So I will never forget that. My story though, of Pecorine is, uh, and I'll, I'll tell it one I haven't told before. And that is that, uh, we, I used to have for those who follow me for any length of time, they know that I used to do a podcast called the 30330 on section 303.com before I joined the national predators radio network and AP radio, et cetera. And in that previous life at three on the 30330, uh, I was given the opportunity to interview him for, I think it was like seven or eight minutes, uh, for, because he was the finalist with Claude Giroux, I believe on the EA sports, NHL, whatever it was, 12, 13, whatever the year was. And it was very, very exciting for a Preds player to be a finalist. It was just him and somebody else. Again, I think it was Claude Giroux. And so to drum up, you know, kind of promotion on that, uh, they were doing, he was doing a radio tour and they agreed, EA Sports and the Preds agreed to let him come on the, the show. And so I talked to him for, again, seven or eight minutes, whatever. And he's, for, and again, for those who don't know how it works, when you have those car wash type of things, is the player has a hard stop. So if it's if he joins you at noon, he's off by 12.08, so he can be on the next uh, channel right. at 12.10, right. right? So it's 12.08 in this example, and I'm, I'm thanking him. I'm like, hey, you know, Pekka, thank you so much for doing this. We really, really appreciate it. Good luck at the award, blah, 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 blah. And he says, oh, I have one more thing. And I was like, oh, what's that? And he goes, I want to congratulate you on the birth of your baby. McGillney had been born... I think it was like maybe a week and a half before that. I had no idea he would even know that. It wasn't in season because McGillney's birthday is June 8th. So here, here's this, this Vesna-nominated EA Sports possible cover athlete on my show congratulating me on the birth of my kid. And I still have the audio clip, obviously, and uh, <laughs> I will never, ever forget the gesture that that was. And in yep. classic Pecorino fashion, I said, how do you know that? And he goes, I just know. And it was hilarious. <laughs> and so uh, I want to thank him uh, for that moment because that was a very, very meaningful human moment for me. And I'm sure nobody else would have taken the time no. to know no. that, that was a thing nor congratulate me. So thank you very much, Pekka, for that. So uh, I have one that I have to actually talk to Pekka bef before I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> oh it makes sense i've got to ask him if i'm allowed to tell the one yes, that i want to tell that's the key that's um right. and that's more of a sort of some insight into just to how fun the guy is and, and so it's not like a it's not dramatic or anything like like you're talking about so the one i'll, I'll tell the one i can tell um because it's sort of along the same lines as you which which depicts the character of the man um, even though that last line there is like that Cheshire crat, the Cheshire crat, the Cheshire cat, you know, like that he's got inside of him, you know, that little, that kind of, oh, that, yes. that fun prankster thing he's got inside of him that you, that you don't see very often because he's so put together that last, like, Oh, I have my ways. Like, Oh, I, 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 know. I you know that's, <laughs> that's, that is sort of the other side to Pekka that not many people have seen. And I've got one of those, but again, I need to confirm before I'm allowed to tell. Um, That's fair. This one, though, I can tell it was at one of it was at one of the, um, and I've I've told this on the I've told this on the show before. So if you've heard this before, sorry. Um, 
because I've only told it one other time ever. I've not told this on, on like radio or anything because it's largely unprofessional of me. <laughs> um, what, what, what took place? Of course, not for Pekka. Pekka was great. I was sort of doing something unprofessional. Um, it was at one of the, what's the, um, the casino night called at, uh, at Bridgestone arena. Um, Preds. I think it's called the. I think it's called the Casino Night. I know. I know. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Basically, the the high. I'm sure there's a better. I'm sure there's a better title, but I think it. Yeah. No, there's another name for it. But they set up like blackjack tables and poker tables and all kinds of stuff on the floor of Bridgestone Arena, and the big season ticket holders get to come in and and um, get to go to the event. I've been a couple of times uh, as sort of you know a member of the media, and as a member of the media, you don't normally ever, 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 ever do anything in a work type of setting, even though the gambling and drinking is not technically a work setting, it is kind of a work event because they're there to, to, to sort of press the flesh a little bit with season ticket holders. So it's not, you know, everyone's having fun. It's sort of a loose, but it is still sort of like you're here because of your job. Right. Um, and normally as a media member, you would never do anything of a personal note. Like you wouldn't right. you, you just, you sort of have to really be careful about picking and choosing when is it appropriate to sort of ask, a, a, you know, something like, I don't think I've ever asked for an autograph of any athlete or player or coach I've ever been around ever. Like that would be yeah. incredibly un- unprofessional. So I've never done yeah, that. Yeah. Which I have, which I, side note, I have a separate story of that we'll get to, I'm sure in a future podcast about, about me, me trying to ask for an autograph. And that was, uh, was frowned upon. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, that's, that's fair. I would frown upon it as well, but this, <laughs> this, this, this is the one time and it was for my wife's family. And my wife's family, like like a uh, family member was getting married. Loyal Legion, like first time season ticket holders from 98. Okay. Like OG Preds fans. They've been going for de- literally decades Ooh. and they're getting, they're getting married. Um, two people that are huge Preds fans in my family. So I'm trying to earn points from the in-laws. And I had put together for their rehearsal dinner the Friday night before I was gathering sort of clips from Predators players saying congratulations to these guys, right? Ryan Johansson might have had a couple beers <laughs> when, he, when he when he said when he uh, congratulated my my in laws on getting married. But Pekka, Pekka had a first of all had no problem just taking five seconds to step aside and, and do it, but he did it and then he stopped and he goes, "Hang on, Braden." can we do that again? <laughs> because he wanted it, to do a second take. Yes. He was like, that wasn't good enough. He's like, I need, Oh, I can, that's like, awesome. I can do better than that. So not only am I doing something wildly unprofessional that he should not have to really do at all, but in the moment of doing it, he's like, no, that's not good enough. I want it to be special for them. And I, I probably had, I don't know, like, like 10 or 12 preds in there. And I got them at various different times. Uh, many of them not unprofessional. I got them in, in like social settings, right? With a couple of the guys, um, you know, Arvidsson and Yossi and Johansson and a few guys. But Pekka stands up out of his table with his friends and people there gambling. And he does the whole thing. And he says, wait a second, let's do it again. And he does it again. And it's like tw- like 20 seconds that my in-laws will never, ever forget for the rest of their life. And they have that That's video incredible. for themselves to watch. It's like... It's personalized, right? It's Pekka saying, hey, so-and-so and so-and-so, congratulations on getting married. I wish you guys the best of luck. And he, like, does a whole, like, gives him advice and stuff. And I'm like, who does that? Who would do a second take for some schlub walking around with a phone? <laughs> like, 
who does that? And it just, it's one of those moments that will always stick out to me. Also, because I realized it was very unprofessional of me that I enjoy telling that story because I, I rarely do that. And uh, he was gracious enough to do that. So I, we don't need to wax too poetically. We'll have a recap of the, the Thursday evening uh, of Pecorine night, I guess, and a recap of the Dallas game and a preview of Stadium Series. Again, we'll be back on Friday. So we'll have another short form episode for you to recap and, and preview uh, the second half of what should be one of the biggest weeks of, of hockey in Nashville. Um, do you have any other names that would be on the list for Jersey retirement? I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that 59 will be up there at some point. Yeah, I would say Shea Weber is a fringe one. I say that because he obviously went to Montreal and uh, that kind of boosts his spotlight a tad when you leave Music City and you go to, oh, I don't know, the capital of hockey. Uh, but I would say that uh, Shea Weber could be one because he was the first homegrown captain, that kind of thing. And, of course, he made a name for himself um, with the Preds. But Roman Yossi, I think, is the only kind of lock at this point uh, other than that. Do, do you, they, can't, do, they can't hand him out like candy. That's the thing. You no, no, no. I, I agree. This is what I was gonna, I'm going to ask because he played – Shea Weber played, uh, I mean, what, like 11 seasons? Like in Nashville, he played like seven – almost 800 games. Got – you know, like did not play on the cup team, of course. Right. Um, but like, do you think the Preds would take flack from like Twitter and NHL Twitter and fans from around the league for retiring a six? Do you think they would actually? I, take no, I don't. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think because he was their draft pick. He was a home again. First homegrown captain that was developed by the team. He played 763 games in a National Predator sweater. And that is the second most, by the way, even right now. It's still the second most all time. On the now, of course, Yossi's going to obliterate that next season, but uh, but he 763 right now is the second all time in gold, and I just think he was so instrumental. Plus, you know, he had the 365 fund with Pekka, you know, and all right. He right. was just he was considered the big three when Suter left, like you know, Weber and Rene were left, he was one of the big three, and it wasn't just a flash in the pan because he was a good player, it was he was he's I mean, he, he is a hall of famer in my opinion, and so I, I don't I don't see any reason why they wouldn't retire his number. Um, now that's, but, an but I could also, I, I could also make the argument that they wouldn't. So I, I can see why they wouldn't because he's going to having, he's going to end up playing like seven, six or seven seasons somewhere else. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I, I kind of agree with you now, if he's a, here's the thing, if he's a hall of famer, then I think you, you actually, that gives you some cover to do it. I think actually, yeah, because, I, because I, I don't know that. if Pecorino is a hall of famer. No, I don't. I don't think Pecorino is a Hall of Famer. Now, would I hate to see him in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely not. He, in my opinion, he, he he borderline deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because of the career he put up. You know, he's the all-time winning Finnish-born goaltender of all time with three hundred and sixty-something wins. Uh, you know, just he he is the standard, and uh, for Finnish goaltending. And I know it's not a Finnish Hall of Fame, but I'm just saying, like he, he you know he has paved the way for his country yeah. in that department. And so, uh, and again, he's all around nice guy, like all that stuff. He scored a goal for crying out loud, like all that stuff. He's, he's, he's great. Uh, but I don't know if he's a hall of famer. And so I, I would, I would actually argue that he's not, I, I, but hope I think the... Shea Weber, because he played in Montreal and because he led them to a final, I <laughs> yeah, think that true. matters. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I think that matters. And because he's Canadian, yeah, I yeah, think it, yeah. I think it matters. Well, okay. So if all those things are going to matter to Shea Weber getting in ge ge geolocation, geography, and and where you're born, like if those things yep. help Shea Weber get in, then I think being arguably the nicest dude I've ever met in my entire life that's been a professional <laughs> athlete, I would like to think that that garners some votes from Hall of Fame voters. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe maybe 
You, you know what I mean? Like maybe it shouldn't. And I'm okay with somebody arguing. It's all about your play on the ice that matters just like in football or baseball. Like I get that, but you all, people are human, right? And they have human interactions with people. Yeah. And sometimes you're willing to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. So I, I am hopeful that that helps him get in. If he does get in, it'll be after many years of voting, but I'm kind of with yeah. you. I, I don't, I do think he's one of the three or four or five best goaltenders of his generation. And I think if you want to boil hall of fame down to a single criteria, to me, it's were you among the best players in your sport at your position during your career? Like, I think that's uh, it's again, it's a sort of oversimplification of it, but if you were during your career, one of the best players in the sport at your position that qualifies you to be in the hall of fame. So even though I might I vote for him, I can see how people might not put him in at the, at the end of the day. I would love to see him get in, obviously, but uh, I don't. I personally don't think he's a Hall of Famer. That said, uh, if he does get in, it'll be after, like you said, four, five, six rounds of voting. I don't. It, he's definitely not a first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Okay. All right. Well, I I think I don't think nine is even if he signs a five or six year contract. Maybe he maybe maybe nine is 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 in the conversation. You know, but but that contract's gonna. That contract better be big, and he better stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Forsberg gets up there. He's, he's gonna, if he stays in gold, he's going to break all the all the scoring records, right? Like yeah, all the offensive yeah. categories are going to be gone. And so, if that's the case, then I think you do put him in. But I think it would. It, he's got to be here until he's thirty one, thirty two, until yep, I consider yep. it, because he has not had a forty goal season, even though we all know he's capable of that. He has not had an eighty point season, even though we all know he's capable of that. So putting him up there and not putting it's maybe a bad example, but Paul Korea up there, for example, I know he's only two years, but just go with me on this. Like he's the one who had 80 point seasons and 30, you know? So yeah, he was the first super, he was the kind of first star to come to Nashville on his own accord, you know, all that stuff. So if he doesn't get up there, if Forsberg, it's going to take some years. That's why I use the term lock. I think Yossi is the only lock right now. Yeah. Get up there and, and have his jersey retired other than Rene. Yeah, especially with like seven more years left on his contract. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Until he's 38 years old with a no movement clause. Um, so that, that about does it. Thursday night's going to be special. Uh, a lot of Kleenexes, um, you know, a lot yeah. of, al- lot of allergies. By Kleenex. A lot of allergies in, in, in Bridgestone Arena on Thursday evening. And more important, almost as important, a pretty damn good hockey game uh, against the Dallas Stars. So uh, obviously everybody will be back on Friday to recap Pecorine evening and the Dallas game and then look ahead to the stadium series. So uh, I think that just about does it. Anything else you want to add? Um, did you look up the name well, of the uh, casino night? I did. Nash Vegas casino nights. So yeah. Oh. Casino night. Right. But Nash Vegas is their okay. little cute little title for it. Right. Uh, what, what I will say though, Braden is on the way out here is that, isn't it nice though, to have a game of importance as part of this Rene night thing, as opposed to again, a throwaway game against Arizona uh... or, that's a you great know, I, question to, to me because because how many times have we seen teams like have all this pomp and circumstance around raising their Stanley Cup banners or whatever and then go out and tank right because the the emotion is there for the event and the and they've been asked all week or leading up to the game to do all these interviews and appearances mm-hmm. and vi- video greetings and all this crap you know and they're and again they're out there what forty five minutes before puck drop like in their uniforms sitting on the bench watching all this crap like it's fun it's all fun. As, as somebody said on one two five the game earlier today, that this is not a retired player coming back 10, 12 years later where they're like, oh hey, nice to meet you. This is a friend of theirs. This was yeah. a teammate yeah. on the team last year, so it's going to be emotion filled. The my biggest fear is that the Preds go have all the emotion at the beginning of the game, maybe come out flying for ten minutes and then they can't sustain it. 
And so yeah, that's why right. it's really, really cool to see, have this game mean something. So they're engaged the whole time. That assumes that, might... that, they, that assumes that they will be engaged the whole time. Uh, and so I, know, I, I know it does. I could see the argument the other direction saying, no, I wish this was a throwaway game. <laughs> like, no, I meant from a fan from a fan perspective. It's just yeah, really right, cool right. that it's, it means something. No, I, I agree with that. And listen, as the games in the calendar continues to tick off, uh, every single one of these gets bigger and bigger and bigger because uh, I, it's a long, long, long. My daughter, my five-year-old asked me, she was like, why do the Preds play all the time? And, and I was like, I don't understand the question. They're, they play 82 games. Uh, <laughs> there are 82 games in the season. And I guess it's just because they're on all the time that she's like, well, God, they play all the time. I'm like, well, it's 80, it's 82 games. They play 82 games every year. And then there's a playoff and it is long. It's a long and grinding, arduous process. And to be within 30 of the finish line is this is the fun time of year man it starts to it, it starts to, to click up a notch and um to have this week in nashville is a special week for sure so uh we'll, we'll see if that translates to you know dumb penalties or not on thursday night <laughs> we'll find out uh jeremy where can people follow you they can follow me at on twitter at it's gover time and uh i look forward to talking with you guys there about all this stuff give me your favorite pecorine story because uh, i love sharing mine so if yep. you guys have a interaction with pecca and you want to share it with somebody just uh, tag me on twitter and we'll talk about it yep no question about that we'd love to hear any, anything i mean I, it's it's endless the number of stories that people have about pecorine it is. It's, which is uh, truly truly remarkable for him go to jaspers everybody it is a great place if you're not going to be in the building on thursday or in the stadium i should say on saturday uh, jaspers is a great place to watch the game they have phenomenal drink specials and food specials during Preds games for Preds fans um, and you don't have to pay for parking so there's also a cocktail named after this year podcast which is kind of cool so go try the gold standard and uh, let us know what you think we do appreciate their support for everybody out there listening thank you guys all for listening rate review subscribe thank you to Jeremy K. Gover my name is Braden Gall this has been the gold standard here on the 440 Sports Network